Hi, everybody. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, what's happened in my life. And um, I was here in uh, March uh, with Libby and Norma, and I went through the training here. Um, but um, I want to share with you a little bit about where the church today is missing its mark and where some of uh, our Bible colleges are missing the mark today. Um, I want to start off with, um, well, I was raised in a Christian family. Uh, my mother was Christian. My father was not. Um, I came from a very legalistic background. Um, I won't tell you the specific denomination, but we went. We were trained to go uh, by the law to do what we knew to do. Uh, my mother had us in church. I have one sister. Uh, we were in church every time the doors opened. Um, and we were, my, both of my parents worked, so we were raised until um, the time I was eight years old uh, by a lady, uh, an older lady, who was a Christian, a very strong Christian woman. And uh, as a child, for me, I identified with her as mother because she was with me uh, from the time I got up till till supper time. Um, and my father uh, was not a Christian, but he was... Um, he didn't drink or run around or anything like that, but he was very fearful uh, man, and he raised us to be very fearful. And one of the first things I can remember from my father was uh, he told me, if I ever touch you, he said, I'll kill you. And I was three years old. And as an adult, I know that to be, uh, he was afraid if he ever hit us or spanked us that he would not stop. But as a three-year-old, in my mind, I was afraid from that time forward, if I ever did anything that he had to touch me, that he would kill me. So I lived my life in fear of my life on a daily basis. It was in my head, um, but I didn't know to talk to anybody about that. Uh, when I was eight years old, uh, my grandmother, as I called her, moved away. Um, and left me. Um, and um, I almost, I'm sorry, um, I almost uh, failed the third grade because uh, that was my only love. Um, I thought I'd done something wrong, uh, that God didn't love me anymore. I continued to go to church, but uh, I just, I didn't have the support and uh, the love that I needed. Um, and as I got older, um, became more mature, my father was sexually abusive to me. Um, and he liked to talk to me about sexual things. He was very emotionally and psychologically abusive. Um, but all I knew was church and going to church, and I continued to go to church. Um, and at 20... Um, I was baptized. I gave my life to the Lord. Um, but I didn't know exactly what that meant. I knew that that was what I should do. And uh, my minister that in my home church talked to me about becoming a Christian because I've been in the church all my life, but I never had given my life to the Lord. So um, 
when I was baptized, my father was upset because um, my sister was baptized two years earlier, and he wasn't there, and he, uh, he let our family have it because he wasn't there. We didn't know. He'd never entered the doors. So I was afraid I would be killed. <laughs> so um, I had to wait till my dad got off work to be baptized. So the church was empty. Uh, my father was there, but no one else was there, and I was baptized. Um, and I thought, when I went down in the water, I was taught, you know, I would come up a new creature. Nothing happened. I just got wet. You know, I wasn't a new creature. I didn't change. Um, and I thought, I did something wrong. See, it was all me. I did something wrong. So... Um, I moved out. I was in college and I moved out. And I really didn't do anything. I didn't go to drugs or alcohol or anything like that uh, because I was fearful. I was afraid of that also. Uh, but my life was not very fulfilled. Um, I left the church for a while. I never left the Lord, but I left the church because I, I didn't know what to do. I was doing, doing, doing. And it still didn't make me feel any better. Or... Um, or be a better person at that point. Uh, I always knew that Christ was the answer. Um, so after I finished college, um, I continued to go to different churches, and the Lord brought me uh, to a, a minister who counseled me for the first time in my life. I was in my 20s before I ever told anybody about any of this. I kept it totally to myself. Um, and uh, he counseled me the best he could, and the more I learned, the more I wanted to know. So my next step was I wanted to go to Bible college. So um, before that, I met a young man, uh, and we dated. And because of the sexual abuse, and I hadn't had any help with that, I loved the young man, but I didn't know. I couldn't be a wife to him because I had, I knew enough to know I couldn't be a wife to him because I didn't know how. So I broke off that relationship and decided to go to Bible college. So I moved here uh, to Knoxville to go to Bible college. And it was a wonderful experience. Um, and at that time in my life, grades meant everything to me. You know, if, I, if my grades were what they should be, then I was a good person. So I studied and I studied and I graduated with honors, um, and I was asked to join the, uh, the staff of the Bible College, and uh, I was like, whoa. Um, so at that point, I joined the staff at the Bible College, and I worked there uh, on staff for five years. Um, one mistake I did make in working or in, at the Bible College is I began to see the people that worked on staff as perfect, as who I wanted to be like. Uh, I never did learn that I had to look above the people on earth to the Lord. And um, as I was working at the Bible College, uh, I was asked to do things uh, that were wrong. I was asked to do one particular thing that was against the law. And I went to my boss and I said, I can't do this. Uh, it's against the law. And it's also um, 
against the Lord Jesus Christ. And he told me that everybody else does it. And uh, at that time, um, I was very confused and very hurt. And I went back to him a second time and told him I cannot do this. And uh, he told me my job was at risk if I did not do that. And at that time in my life, my job and my position working at a Bible college was, I thought I had arrived. It was better than anything I had ever been involved in in my life. Um, at least I wasn't a fear, afraid of dying. And I was with people that loved the Lord. So I gave in. And I did what I was told. Um, and the Lord said, you need to leave this place. And I told the Lord, I said, no. I said, I'm not. I said, this is the best. I'm not happy, but this is the best I've ever had. And I can't leave. And in a matter of two years' time, the Lord took me by the nap of the neck, and he said, you are gone. And I had been having emotional problems all along and dealing with them the best I could. From the time my grandmother left, I was codependent uh, on one woman after another. Um, not sexually any, in any way, but I was looking for love. And my heart had been broken a number of times because, as you learned uh, last night, when you're codependent and someone cares about you, you just latch on to them. Like, um, you know, you can't let go of them. And I would smother people to death. And they would let me go. And my heart would be broken. Uh, and this happened a number of times. And um, so my emotional problems got increasingly worse and worse. And after five years, uh, I was codependent on a woman at the Bible college. And um, one Christmas... Um, a course of events happened, and I decided that I couldn't, I was hurting so bad I couldn't live anymore. And um, I had been going, uh, the people at the Bible College had sent me to um, a secular counselor. Um, and I had been seeing him for about six months, and um, I wasn't really savvy in the counseling, <laughs> you know, what you're to do or anything. And, and I made a promise to that man that if I ever wanted, thought about committing suicide, I would call first. Well, little did I know what that would put in progress, but um, I called him and said, I'm going to take my life. And he said, well, would you mind coming by to see me before you did that? And, of course, I didn't know any difference. So I, I went by, and at that point I was put into um, a mental hospital. Um, and it was interesting, I had, Bible, I had counseling classes in Bible college, and I had friends in Bible college, but when I was put into uh, a mental facility, um, I had three people out of the whole Bible college come to see me, and I was in there for three months. They sent me cards, but nobody came to tell me that they loved me or that God was the answer, or anything. They 
I was just there. And I came out um, still struggling. Had a car wreck not long after that and was in the hospital. And to make a long story short, uh, I went back into the mental hospital twice and um, I was asked to leave. Um, and I lost my job, my place to live. Uh, I lost everything at once. And um, believe it or not, that was not rock bottom. That was just the beginning. Uh, when they did ask me to leave, uh, they referred me to Minerth Meyer uh, Counseling. It's a Christian counseling program, and I went to Texas near Houston uh, for Rafa, or for uh, Minerth Meyer Treatment Center. I went through the counseling there, and their treatment center is self-based, you know, encouraging the self. They do have a spiritual in on like Dr. Solomon was talking about. They incorporate the scripture and Bible, but they do psychotherapy in one form or another. And in the course, um, I went on disability, uh, and I have been on disability for 14 years. Uh, I've been in and out of mental institutions. Uh, I knew that Christ was the answer, but I couldn't get uh, what I needed. I went from Minerth Meyer uh, to Rafa treatment centers in four different states. Um, I've been in, I don't know how many institutions. I've committed, tried to commit suicide 13 times. Uh, my diagnosis finally after seven years was um, MPD. I had multiple personalities. Um, didn't know that because I'd lived with them all my life. So um, with a multiple, uh, you have conversations going on in your head all the time um, between yourself. And during the process of all that, you try to focus on what's going on around you. But I just thought everybody else did that. I didn't know that people's minds were quiet. Um, and I went, uh, finally I went to a Rafa treatment center in Georgia and I told um, the doctor there very sincerely, I said, if you don't find me a place to go for help when I leave here, I won't be alive. I'm just at that point. And he uh, found a Christian uh, treatment center in Memphis, Tennessee uh, for multiple personalities. So I went directly there and stayed there seven years. And all the help I had was trying to increase self and what to do and how to take care of the symptoms. Um, at one point, I was on eight different kinds of medicine. Five of those were addictive. Um, I've been uh, through the gamut. And uh, I've also seen things in psychiatric facilities that uh, people, you just wouldn't want to see. I had a next-door neighbor hang himself in the room when I was in a locked unit, and I happened to see that individual. Um, so I was traumatized by the treatment I was given. Um, and all this was given, to, the advice was given to me by Christian people, by churches, um, 
And uh, I had gotten some better, and I decided that uh, I wanted to go into Christian counseling myself. So not knowing any better, <laughs> last year um, I enrolled uh, in the same Bible college uh, for their master's program in counseling. Um, and um, I started the program, and um, I was sitting in class one day, and... Um, we were observing, um, they had a counseling center, so we were observing people being counseled. And um, I was sitting there, and um, there was a whole class full of us behind a one-way mirror watching a counseling session with another student. And I was listening to that session, and I got sick because our responsibility as Christians and as counselors is first to do no harm. And we were, there was 30 of us listening to a counseling session with a student that we live with in the dorm. And um, I just got sicker and sicker. And for me, physically, uh, I got to the point where there was times I couldn't walk. I was so sick. And I couldn't hold my head up. I was so sick at what was taking place in this Christian Bible college. So... Um, I prayed about it, and I went to um, the man that was the head of the counseling department and told him what I was feeling. And I went the second time to him, and he finally told me that uh, I was too immature to be in the program. And he wanted me uh, to drop that one class, and I said, I will be glad to. And I went home. And I got down on my knees, and I listened to Christian music, and I prayed to the Lord for a week. And the Lord said, get out. So he told me once before to get out, and I said, no. This time he told me to get out, and I got out. I went back to school. I went to my classes, and I said, the Lord has told me to leave here. I said, I love you, but I have to do what my Lord has told me to do. In the process of leaving uh, the Bible college, um, because of finances, um, I lost my apartment. I lost everything I owned. Um, I went to, I called my family and asked them uh, if I could come home. They said, no, you cannot come home. Um, because at that point I'd been labeled mentally ill and I think my family was afraid of what people would think. And the people, my friends at the Bible College, um, I went to them about a place to stay until I could find a place. They said they would pray for me, but they didn't offer me a place to stay. My Christian friends that I thought I'd had for years um, said, we'll pray for you. And... Um, to make a long story short, a year ago in November, I was sleeping in my car. The Lord had graciously let me keep my three cats. I never married and I have no children. And at that point in my life, they were everything to me. So I was living in my car. And I was so upset because my every Christian friend I had had left me. And I was totally alone. And um, 
I have allergies, so I went to uh, get my allergy shots, and I was sitting there after I had my allergy shots, and you have to wait for 20 minutes, and um, one of the nurses came out to me, and, and I just know her by saying hi to her and everything, and she said, there's something wrong with you. Can I help you? And I told her uh, what had happened, and she said, there's some way somebody has got to be able to help you. So she made a call to uh, First Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee, a church that her and her family had been attending but were not members, and made me an appointment with a man there, uh, Jim Waddell, who uh, has gone through this training. And I met with him and I told him my diagnosis. I told him what all I'd been through over the years. And he gave me Handbook to Happiness. And he said, I want you to read this. And I'm making you an appointment with John Woodward, and I want you to talk to him. And I, I felt it felt good that somebody would listen to me and offer something to me. So uh, during that process, I found, um, I found a, a shelter that would take me because I'm not, I haven't, I'm not presently being sexually abused or uh, I'm not a drug addict or an alcoholic. Most uh, women's shelters in this area will not take you. So I did not qualify for women's shelters in Knox County, which is Knoxville. Uh, but through a course of calls, I found a place where I could go. Uh, so I had a, a, a roof over my head. And I came down here. Um, it's kind of funny, the first, the first day I came, <laughs> came here, when I go to counseling, I get real nervous. So I thought I was really nervous. And I went in uh, and met everybody uh, to just see how to get there and everything. And, and I came in, I said, I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> And so uh, John and, and um, Kathy were there, and we prayed. And as soon as we got through praying, sure enough, I got sick. So I went to the restroom, and um, come to find out, I had the flu. Um, but I said, y'all will never forget me, because I, I was so sick, I had to lay down on the bathroom floor. And this is the first time I met these people. <laughs> But to make a long story short, I started seeing um, John. And after 14 years of being in and out of hospitals um, and trying and failing, um, I started talking to John. And um, I was just starved for what he had to say. And I knew the verses that he was telling me, but he had turned on a new light for me. So over the course of um, talking with John, I wanted to get in a hurry. So um, you know how, you know, being in control, you're really out of control. So, um, and when you have multiple personalities, everybody has to understand. <laughs> Not just you. So, you know. I would listen to John and then I would go back to the shelter and it, was, it would be like it would filter through my mind to everybody inside. <laughs> and um, so I decided, you know, I had been baptized twice before and I decided, well, I just didn't do it right. 
So uh, the last day of last year, I was baptized again. And I came back to John. I said, well, I've been baptized, you know, again. And uh, John didn't say, said, that's okay. <laughs> and then we met again on, on January 3rd of this year. I died. And, uh, and ever since that time, I don't hear voices and I don't hear um, conversations in my head. All of my multiples are gone. Uh, I spent years with my multiples. Of, I would be places that I didn't know, you know, like I would be one part and I would go somewhere and I would come back to myself. I didn't know where I was. I've spent years trying to make up for things I've done as my multiples. Um, like last year, Dr. Solomon laughed about this. <laughs> uh, well, it was a year ago now. Um, one of my parts got real upset about something that happened and went out and wrote a bunch of bad checks. They stole my checkbook. I stole my checkbook <laughs> and my identification. I wrote checks in three cities. I went to Chattanooga, and then when I was back to myself, my checkbooks were gone, my ID was gone. I went to the police here in uh, Sevierville, and I reported my check stolen and my identification stolen, and I filled out a police report. Um, and in the process of investigating, the detective came back to my house and said, you wrote those checks. And I said, you're crazy. <laughs> but to make a long story short, um, I wrote all those checks. And I had no idea. And I turned myself in. <laughs> so, um, and I went to, um, there was 20 some odd checks. And because I am a Christian, I went to each place. Some of the places I had to find the locations. And I explained to each individual person what I had done and what my diagnosis was. That was very hard for me to go to people and say, this is what I've done. I didn't know I did it. There were some people that were very nice and there were some people that weren't nice at all. Um, I still have to go to court. One uh, place is taking me to court. But you know, God has that in control. And uh, in my flesh, I get scared. But in my spirit, I'm not afraid at all. Because God's going to take care of it, whatever it is. Um, since that time, uh, in May of this year, May the 15th, God gave me an apartment. I have my own place. Um, the church I was attending helped me fill that apartment with furniture. So I have furniture. Um, I started working part-time um, at Walmart here in town. And I've worked there for three months. And Monday morning, this Monday morning, I will start a full-time job at Boyd's Bear Country here in uh, Pigeon Forge. Um, I'm going off disability for the first time in four years. For, I mean, 14 years. Um, and that was a very scary thing for me because... That was, a, that was the check I knew was coming. But I'm not sick anymore. So as a Christian, uh, I don't need to be on disability. The Lord gave me disability when I needed it. 
but it's time for me to stand up. I'm not sick anymore and step out in faith with what the Lord has done for me. And I talked to Dr. Solomon and it's going to be a rough road. You know, the money may not be there for what I need. I mean, as far as my income, but God is going to provide. And I step out in faith. My heart's desire is Christian ministry. But right now, the Lord's got to get me back on my feet. He still hasn't brought my friends back around. He's gave me new friends that have taught me more of the truth. And my friends will come back. And maybe at some point I can witness and talk to the people at this Bible college and my friends to tell me, to show them what the Lord has done for me that they couldn't show me. They have the words, but they don't know how to explain it. And I'm very thankful today to be standing in front of you and to be able to, to show you none of this has been my doing. It's been the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm a person that you saw that last diagram. I gave myself to the Lord, but I also had to surrender. It took a matter of time for I had to surrender and I had to identify. And this year in January, I identified. And uh, I'm ready for whatever. You know, uh, if the Lord uh, takes everything away from me, I will never leave Him. I have a love with him. My codependency is gone because I know Jesus loves me. And I feel that love. It took me years to feel that love and that acceptance. And I'm who I am. And if people don't like who I am before, I wanted to change who I was so that people would like me. But as long as God and I am all right, then I'm okay. And the depression is gone. It comes every now and then. The first time it came back after I died, I went to Kathy and I, and I started crying. I said, Kathy, the depression's back. I've done something wrong. And she goes, would you like to talk to Dad? So I talked to Chuck and Chuck said, all you have to do is go back to the foot of the cross. So we prayed there together and I went back to the foot of the cross and my depression was gone. So every time something comes up that I feel like I can't handle, all I have to do is go to the foot of the cross and then give it to Him and walk away in confidence because I know that He's going to take care of that for me. And I just I want to encourage you and to let you know that Jesus is the answer. And what you're learning today you need to take back to your churches and you need to tell people because there's people like me in your churches that have been in your churches all their life and they don't know how to appropriate what's right there in the scriptures that they've memorized, that they've known all their lives. So you people right here can be the beginning of a revolution to re-energize the churches and to bring them back to what God intended for them in the first place. Thank you very much for listening to my story.
And this crime's a good thing. I haven't been able to cry in 14 years. So once I became, once I died now, the tears are flowing. And that's a good thing. I don't know how you pray after that. She gets me doing it. Well, she's walking examples. See other psychologists and psychiatrists heard that you think we're all nuts. <laughs> Not just all of her. But it's a blessing to see what God does in lives and the ones that are supposed to be impossible. And with man they are. With God they're not. But each and every person takes a flat out miracle for God to do a change in life. And that's what he specializes in. And if he doesn't do miracles, we don't see any results because we don't believe in therapy. We believe it's the Holy Spirit from beginning to end using his word and transforming lives. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just praise you that you are God, that you hear and answer a prayer. You transform lives, and you're ready to transform each and every one of us day by day by day as we deny ourselves the right to rule and reign in our own lives and take up the cross and allow you to do what you want to do in us and with us and through us. Thank you for each one of those that are here. We praise you for what you've done in Marsha's life and the way you're going to use her in multiplied ways in many, many other lives as, as she is able to devote her life to sharing <coughs> the message of the cross, uh, whether in her work setting or in ministry where she can uh, uh, have a, a ministry of leading other people out of uh, various uh, things that they've been labeled as into uh, the victory uh, that you are in victory in the victor. So we pray that as we go to lunch, have a little time together, that you will give us a, a blessed time of uh, fellowship together and as we continue this afternoon in Jesus' name.